Back in the fur shed, this is the Trapping Today podcast. I am your host, Jeremiah Wood. Great to have you here. Trapping Today podcast is brought to you by Cots Brothers Lures, K-A-A-T-Z, B-R-O-S dot com. Kyle and Kellen Cots, where you can get your trapping supplies. It is that time of year. I know it's a little bit early to be talking trapping supplies, but hey, August... Um, it we're it's coming it's getting closer the days are starting to get shorter this is about the time that I start thinking about the things that I really need to be getting in and and getting prepared things like wax and trapping trap line tools and trap dye and things that I really need to just get rounded up maybe some some uh, stake ends to make cable stakes uh, earth anchors and a number of other things few traps, uh, the last minute trap orders, this is the time to do it. So check out Cotsbros.com for your trapping supply needs. They will get stuff to you quick. They have great prices, excellent, excellent service, great guys to deal with. Podcast is also brought to you by Fur Harvesters Auction, where the world comes to buy wild fur. Fur Harvesters is run by trappers for trappers, and folks at the auction house really understand the ups and downs of running a trap line. They understand what we as trappers put into the furs that uh, that we send out there and the importance of each and every one of those pelts. They're in lo- located in North Bay, Ontario, Canada, and Fur Harvesters has receiving depots throughout the U.S. and Canada, so you pretty much wherever you are, if it's an area that has some fur, you're probably going to be close by to a place you can send that fur or drop it off. They have at least uh, two, two to three auctions a year. Usually those begin in March and go through uh, May. And uh, recently they've had that March auction in Helsinki, Finland. They've done pretty well uh, getting some better fur prices. So you can learn more about fur harvesters at www.furharvesters.com or give them a call 705-495-4688. A few small things to touch on before we get into tonight's episode. I had an email a little while back from Greg. He's a trapper from Maine who just put uh, up a incredible looking fur shed that he built. And I'm, I'm real jealous. That thing looks awesome. But if you remember back when I had uh, Brian from uh, Wisconsin, I believe, um, and we had talked about trapping, setting up a fur shed, and fleshing beams. And I talked about trying to save space with fleshing beams. Well, Greg had a great idea on how he set up his fleshing beam where it mounts right to the wall on a couple of hinges. So I put up a post on trappingtoday.com that gives you an idea what that looks like. Uh, there's a few pictures there showing Greg's setup that he sent to me. And hopefully uh, for a few of you that haven't set up your fleshing beam yet, that'll give you an idea of a good way to do it where you can save a bunch of space it just folds right up against the wall and when you need it you can just uh, take it down and uh, swing it down and use it Um, on the Alaska trapping front uh, I actually I follow um, Ashley Selden's blog she is uh, the wife of Tyler Selden Tyler and Ashley have been uh, featured on the show The Last Alaskans. They trap up in interior Alaska, run a trap line all winter long uh, out of a cabin that they've built. Pretty awesome lifestyle and found out a lot about you know how they operate up there just by watching the show. So she has a blog that she 
updates not very often but she just wrote a post on there and just give gave people an update of you know what's going on there in, in their lives and leading up to getting ready to go on the trap line again this year and just kind of the big take home on that was that the show uh, looks like is going is officially canceled so that's really uh, uh, kind of unfortunate for those of us who really enjoy that show one of the few shows that we even ever bother to watch on TV. I don't have uh, cable TV or satellite anymore, but I've downloaded uh, the episodes of that show and watch them over and over again. It's just a really cool show. No, if you haven't watched The Last Alaskans, you ought to check it out. No scripted anything, no drama. It's not one of those reality shows that you typically see. It's just kind of laid back and just follows these people uh, Oh, through their lives on the trap line. So uh, there's several seasons there you can check out, and you can uh, you can pick those up and and watch. But it looks like at least for now, uh, Discovery Channel has not renewed the show, and the uh, actors or the I guess the the people that are featured on the show are under contract, so they can't do any other shows or anything for at least another year. But after that, who knows? Uh, somebody else could pick it up. Someone could go up and film. I think it's a, a really great showcase of Trappers. And it's, it, it was an excellent show. It was a really popular thing among people who have n- really no idea what trapping is or had no idea. And it introduced a lot of people who were not familiar with trapping to that lifestyle and what we do as Trappers. And I think it was a really good thing overall for promoting trapping to the general public so um, unfortunately that has is not going to come back in the near future but shows like that i think have really helped out a lot and have been great for non-trappers also been great for us as trappers something it's kind of neat to have something you can watch that you can relate to every once in a while and speaking of alaska just a quick uh, shout out to a book that i have picked up recently Dean Wilson's The Alaska Trapper's Handbook. I will put a link up to this book uh, here in the show notes of the podcast. And this book is written by was written by Dean quite a while back. Actually doesn't even have a copyright date on it. Uh, but it was uh, a self-published book. Dean was a pretty legendary Alaskan trapper, very well-known trapper especially when it came to wolf trapping. He uh, he was extremely accomplished, very very passionate about trapping, and he in the later years he he started buying fur and he became a very well known fur buyer. Traveled throughout the state of Alaska, and bought fur from from trappers all throughout the bush. So Dean put together this Alaska Trappers Handbook, and it is a very good resource for trapping different species throughout Alaska. He goes into uh, things in a lot of detail, and I've yet to read through all of it, but one of my goals is to learn a lot more about trapping in Alaska. And so that's kind of been an obsession of mine, and if you have similar thoughts and and ideas, I think you'd really enjoy this one, so check it out, The Alaskan Trapper's Handbook by Dean Wilson. With that, let's get into tonight's show. And In last episode, I talked about uh, under ice beaver trapping and I went into detail on uh, footholds and body grip traps uh, under ice and I saved this last part because I went on f- for so long when I t- 
to put together that episode. I had to split it up into two parts. This is part two, and this is where we go into under ice beaver snaring, something that I've done for just a few years now, and I've really gotten to enjoy it, and I've been learning a lot about under ice snaring over that time period, and I just kind of hope to share a little bit of that with you in this episode. So hope you enjoy, and thank you for tuning in. Let's talk under ice snaring. So, um, under ice snaring is is really my favorite type of under ice beaver trapping, primarily because it's just you can be so versatile. There's so many different things to try. Um, I don't know. I just like it. I I, I like it a lot. Um, it it's uh, it. It can be very simple. It can be very complicated. It just depends what you make of it. Um, and there, there seems to be a bit of a challenge to it as well. So I'm going to go over just like a few of the pros and cons uh, to under ice beaver snaring. Uh, the pro, it's cheap to get started. You can buy uh, a dozen snares for like a dollar a piece. So it's better than buying 330s or foothold traps. Uh, it's easy to learn, relatively easy to learn. Um, snares are are easy to work with. Um, you know, if you're younger, you don't, you're not comfortable working with a 330 um, by yourself. Uh, that can be pretty dangerous, or or some of those strong foothold traps. Snares are easy to work with. Uh, they're very light to carry around. You can get them. You know, you can fit a couple dozen of them in your pockets. Another pro of snaring is when you miss an animal in an under ice snare set, you don't spook them or educate them. Um, it seems that they just kind of move along. Oh, what was that? Oh, a little bit of wire. There's a little bit, something just kind of knocked down there. Eh, not a big deal. It's not like a big trap that's kind of snapping in their face or catching them a little bit and they pull out of it. Uh, the snare is typically just kind of like uh, another another root or something in the water that uh, that they're used to being around. So they usually don't have a negative experience associated with a miss. Of course, on the con side of snaring, you do get a lot of misses. Uh, you're going to get more misses uh, than you will probably with any other type of under ice set. I have not been able to figure out or correlate why I'm missing beaver certain times and I'm not missing them other times. Like... Uh, Two years ago, I was almost up to about 50% misses, and I didn't quite understand what was going on, why I was missing them. I tried a bunch of different things, and and I never did figure it out. I used the same setup last year, and I got almost no misses, very very few misses. So, um, I, I'm that's part of the attraction to me of of under ice snaring is there is so much to learn and and there's things that I just don't know uh, I don't know how how they work uh, how beavers are approaching those all the time and uh, how you know how what we can do to minimize the misses and make uh, from more effective catch ratio uh, but but the idea that there's lots to learn is attractive to me uh, but that is a con another con is you are going to get snare marks on the pellet it, you're going to get that with 330s as well. But if guys are looking for like really perfect quality pelts, uh, the, the under ice foothold set is probably the way to go. Uh, 
there are several types of baited snare setups. And, and most of the time for under ice, I'm going to use a bait. You can set dead poles with snares in runways. And, and uh, it can be done pretty effectively. Um, one of the, the common setups with without bait under ice snaring is just set a snare dead smack in the middle of the run. Uh, uh, the pole is in the middle of the run and uh, the sna each snare loop, you got one snare loop on each side of the pole. So a beaver is going to be moving right dead center of the run, it's going to see the pole, it's going to hug to one side or the other, and it's going to go right through the snare. That's an effective set. Why don't I use it? Number one, I'm going to use a 330 in a run if I have the opportunity. And two, why not add some bait to it if you're already there and uh, and you've got the snare set up? Uh, I think uh, adding some bait is, I don't care if I get them blind or get them baited, uh, but that just increases your uh, opportunity to make the catch. So there, the, the, that's the that's the blind setup, um, and you can do that. You can you can cover huge areas. These guys that'll do like three or four tiers vertically of of snares on one pole. Uh, they do that a lot in Alaska and Canada. Uh, I don't know that you really need to do that unless you're using bait. Um, if you're using if you're in a run, almost all every time the beavers are going to be traveling right along the bottom. Now there are several types of uh, baited snare setups. A couple that I'm familiar with is the main style. The main style baited snare setup is something that that uh, I've learned has become popular uh, through Jerry Braley and Dan McAllister. There are probably other people that have done this as well, but those two guys are kind of legendary when it comes to this set. And that's a, a very simple set where you're using a dead pole and you're, you're using two bait sticks, which are usually going to be Aspen. Uh, usually, the, I think the ones that I've, I've used with this setup are usually about the size of your thumb one on each side of the pole and then outside of the bait sticks you're going to have your snares and the snares are very unique very specific design what Jerry and Dan like to use and a lot of guys like to use is going to be a 16th inch 7x7 cable so it's a very small cable and a very flexible cable and that is going to give you a loop. If you do a loop like the size of a large outstretched hand, it's going to be like a teardrop kind of, um, kind of an oval. And so it doesn't it doesn't seem very intuitive at first. But I've heard Jerry say that as the when the beaver is feeding um, on that pole, you got the you know you got vertical bait stick on the pole. The beaver is going to be circling that pole, so his body is going to be turned sideways circle in that pole and the shape the oval shape of the snare is about the shape of a beaver's body when he's when he's tipped sideways and so it seems to work pretty good uh, in in that sense um, I used that for quite a while um, I I learned a, a different way of making a setup uh, the baited setup and uh, it's something I'm just gonna call the Minnesota style uh, baited snare sets and and I learned this from a guy named Rally Hess. And Rally is a very um, effective professional under ice B 
beaver snare man in Minnesota. He he is very very effective with this set. He's actually uh, put together a big write up on Trapper Man and some of the archives online, and and with bunch of pictures and descriptions on what he uses. And I just basically took the page right out of Rally's book and started making my setups this way, the same exact way that he makes them. And uh, I've been extremely effective and extremely happy with this snare setup. So what I prefer, and and this is again, I'm just going to describe what I'm using, and it has it's not necessarily anything that I, it's it's nothing that I came up with really. Um, this is just something I've taken from different people. Um, and I should say the Braley McAllister, the main style setup, uh, also uses a cam lock on that snare. Um, so so what I prefer is a larger cable than that, a 564ths cable. So not as big as 332nds, but 564ths 7x7 seven seven cable. So it's a little bigger than the 16th. It is uh, a 7x7, seven seven, so it's still a flexible cable. And I, I make a loop the size of my outstretch hand, which is fairly large. Um, and instead of a dead stick or a dead pole with two bait sticks nailed to the sides of it, I'm using a live pole. And this is going to be Aspen. And it's going to be 100% green all the way down. So so there are pros and cons to this. And in the reason to use the dead pole with the live bait sticks is you're concentrating the beaver to the area of the pole where you want them to be caught. You're, you're putting them right in front of your snares. So if you're in four feet of water and you've got bait sticks on and you've got them two feet down, you got them right in the halfway point, you're going to set your snares in front of those bait sticks. And the beaver is not going to go under that. He's not going to go over that because that's because there's no bait there for him. It's just a dead pole. He's going to go right where that bait is, and he's going to get caught. So that's the advantage there. The disadvantage that I've seen is it is often very difficult to get a beaver attracted to that small bait. Um, small diameter sticks and short length. So you think, well, what if you just make bigger bait sticks and make them taller? Um, why not just make a use a green pole? Um, that's kind of what I what I have gravitated toward. And what I found is, if I have four feet of water, I'm going to use a green pole. It's going to be bait all the way up and down. But I'm going to make multiple. I'm going to set multiple tiers of snares. So, depending on my water depth, I'm going to have two snares, four snares, or six snares uh, in that in that area. And uh, basically, what that does is allows me to cover the entire water column, and I've actually had uh, had one case where I caught a beaver in the bottom and a beaver in the top. It's not very common, but it happens. So anyway, that's what I like to use. I like to use a um, a a hundred percent bait pole, live green pole. Um, I am going to have one that's going to be about an inch and a half to three inches diameter and that can vary quite a bit you want something big enough that the beaver are going to be attracted to um, it can um, it, 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 it can vary because sometimes I'll cut I'll cut a tree and and I'll have like two poles one's on the smaller end one's on the sp- bigger end but I get two poles out of the one tree so I'll, I'll use those 
So, I'm going to try to describe in the podcast how my um, snare pole setup is going to look, and it's not really going to be easy. It's going to be much easier to do this as a demo, um, but I'm going to I'm going to try. <clears throat> so the first thing I'm going to do is just kind of describe what my snare looks like, so you understand how this is going to look, kind of sitting on a pole. the The snare is 564 seven by seven diameter cable. It has uh, a cam lock. So you got the, with the two pieces of the cam lock, the slide piece is uh, is running through that that top part of the snare, and then the other end, the uh, the end of the uh, cable is attached to the lock uh, portion of the cam, and that is uh, has a uh, aluminum stop on the end of it, and and the cable is kinked to about 90 degrees on the other side of the stop to make the snare set vertical. On the other end of the cable where you anchor that snare to uh, to the pole, I actually have an adjustable um, adjustable loop on that end and I picked that up from from Jerry Braley uh, the way he he was making snares and I think it's really effective uh, it's really it's nice it's easy um, you can there are fixed loop snares uh, and you can use those uh, problem is you don't really have a lot of flexibility with the diameter of, uh, of pole you're going to use uh, if your loop is too small if you make your loop too big then you got a lot of play that you got to deal with and sometimes you're you're kind of trying to um, to attach that on and, and try to stabilize this the snare a little bit and it just makes it kind of a mess. Now I have seen some snares that uh, they, ha- they, they have a very small loop and you can actually run wire from your pole and kind of loop it through that loop and you can that that's a really effective way. Um, you can make the snares a little bit cheaper that way because uh, you don't have to that is kind of your stabilizer you don't have to have anything to hang. Uh, the snare on uh, externally so that does work but this works pretty good so why would I do something different um, I think this this is probably the best I found so far um, so I have an adjustable loop basically what that is is an aluminum double ferrule with a stop on one end um, and then on the other side you got so you got uh, one end of the wire that's one end of the loop is going through one ferrule opening and has a stop there and it's kind of looping around, and the other end is is going through the other end of the ferrule and onto the rest of your snare. So basically, you can pull that ferrule in and out, or pull the cable in and out of the ferrule to make your loop larger or smaller. And so what I'll do is open those right up and slide them over the the pole, and then cinch them down tight. The last thing I have on the snare, uh, the snare again has that that uh, cam lock that uh, for the 564 cable. And then I'll have usually either a a large oversized double ferrule or a piece of PVC or vinyl tubing, kind of like gas line type of tubing or the tubing that you use to run like an aerator um, for your bait tank or your aquarium. And all that is is to hang the snare with. So you're going to run your piece of wire that, that the snare hangs from. You're going to run it through that tubing and then you can bend 
the wire up or down or side to side to adjust where you want your snare to sit. So that's what the snare is in a nutshell. It's between, I think it's about 42 inches of cable that I start with and it turns out to be just enough to make a nice loop around the uh, the pole and, uh, and a nice sized snare loop when you're all said and done. So I'm going to take my pole and the pole is going to usually be about oh six to eight feet long and I've chipped my hole um, somewhere near the house hopefully between the house and the feed bed and I haven't quite found the beaver run. Uh, one thing that I did not mention with any type of baited set you you want to be close to either the house the run or the dam you need to be close to an area where beaver are traveling I've done this I've seen people done this do this before you go six feet off of the run that can sit that set can sit there for a month and beaver won't touch it they're just not traveling there they have no reason to be there but if, if you're right next to the run, they're going to be going back and forth there on almost a daily basis. Uh, so, so you can really um, increase your effectiveness by being close to either the house, the feed bed, or the dam. Um, or all three. Or put it right in the run. But then again, blind set if you're in the run. So I got my hole. I'm hopefully somewhere between the house and the feed bed in this case. And... I'm, the first thing I'm going to do is drop my pole down and hit bottom, and that's going to I'm going to read my depth. I'm also going to try to stick it in bottom a little bit and see how soft or hard the bottom is and how far down I can get the pole. I want to get the pole anchored in the bottom if I can. Uh, I just think it makes for um, a more stable pole and a better opportunity to uh, allow those snares to fire when the beaver's moving around it um, or chewing on the pole. So I'm going to mark, um, uh, what I'm going to do is basically I'm going to drop that through, I'm going to shove the pole in as far as I can get into the mud, or the bottom, and then I'm going to use my machete or axe, and I'm going to go down until I hit the bottom edge of the ice, because you can't really tell, it's hard to tell how thick the ice is. So I'm going to get to the bottom edge of the ice, and I'm going to get that depth, and I'm going to mark the spot on the pole that coincides with the bottom edge of the ice. So I got that, I'll, I'll take my machete and I'll make a little mark there uh, in the pole so I get that marked. And what that is going to be is my starting point for where I'm going to set my top layer of snares. And I always start from the top and move down. If you know you're in a run you can start from the bottom uh, but in most cases I'm not going to be in a run and uh, I'm going to start from the top down. Beavers seem to... Uh, here's what's going to happen. A beaver is going to see this green pole and he's going to want to grab it and take it back to the house with him. But you've got to cut it to be able to do that. Um, it's anchored to the bottom and it's anchored to the top. And usually what they're going to do is try to go up near the bottom of the ice and as close as they can get to the bottom of the ice they're going to try to cut that, um, cut that pole. Cut it off and try to drag it back to the house. So you, so you want to have that snare, um, the first set of snares up near the top. I'm going to go about three inches below, um, some between three and six inches, but usually somewhere around three, four inches below the bottom of the ice. And that's where I'm going to set my first tier of snares. Then what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of gauge, um, 
I'll just gonna open up a snare and stick it right in front of the pole there at that spot where I'm gonna set it. And then I'm gonna gauge how many more I have. And I go down to the mud line where how far down my pole sunk into the bottom. And I'll mark that, or I'll see, you know, you'll see the line of, of uh, mud <clears throat> or dirt. And I'll see how many tiers of snares I can fit. And in most cases, it's gonna be two. Um, it's going to be a little too deep for just one tier of snares, and it's going to be uh, a little too shallow for three. So usually I'm going to have two. I, I sometimes have three, I sometimes have one. Um, but that just depends how, how deep you are. And I'm going to try to space those. Um, and so two tiers, I'm talking four snares, right? One on each side of the pole and um, in, in one row, and then another row just below that or above that uh, on each side of the pole. So I'm going to space those out, and I'm I'm going to grab my snares, and I'm going to slide. I'm going to open up those loops, and I'm going to run them down. If I I've decided whether I'm going to have two snares, four snares, or six, and I'm going to run them down the pole. I'm going to I'm going to just drop them all down, and then I'm going to start pulling them up to the top location. Um, you can't really set from the bottom from uh, from the top down, whatever. Um, and oh, just back up just a second. The first thing before I do that, I'm gonna run my my uh, my anchor wire. Always, 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 always run an anchor wire anytime you're using a live pole, and even on a dead pole, I'd I'd kind of recommend it. But this pole, about 50% of the time, this pole is gonna be chewed in half when you come to check the set. Um, another thing, you're gonna want to bring extra poles with you. If you're if you're using these baited pole set, uh, bait pole sets, uh, because you you will need to replace a lot of poles, which is okay if you get a bunch of catches. And so that's that's going to be cut in half, and it's going to be tugged on, and they're going to try to pull it. So you need to have something to to anchor to, for your snares to attach to, to make sure that you don't lose that beaver. Um, so so I'll start, I'll use like an 11 gauge wire typically. I'll start at the very bottom of the pole and I'll make a loop around the pole and I'll, I'll kind of tighten my wire uh, into a loop there. And I usually try to nail a staple into the wire there. And so it kind of anchors it. So you got a loop attaching it to the pole and you got a staple to keep it from sliding up the pole. And then I'll run the wire all the way up the length of the pole. I'll usually try to twist it around kind of like a, um, a, a candy cane pattern sort of um, just so it stays kind of tight to the pole and then I'll attach it at the top of the pole and and um, I'll leave you know a couple of feet extra on top so that I can uh, wire off to a dead man or um, a, a big log above the ice um, to make sure the beaver can't run off with this pole then I'll run my snares I'll say we got four to set We'll run all four down, and then we'll we'll slide the first two snares up to the spot where they want to be, um, about three four inches below the ice. I'm going to take a length of 14 gauge wire, and it, it can be a little bigger, a little smaller. It's up to you. Uh, 14 gauge seems to work pretty well for me, and I'm gonna I'll do a length about maybe about a foot long. Depends on your diameter of your pole. And I'm going to wrap that around the pole and twist it a couple times. And I'm going to have two ends of that wire. 
each going the direction um, sort of opposite of each other. So, so they're going to kind of form a straight line, one going directly to the left, one going directly to the right. Those are going to be your hangers for your snares. I'm going to pull my first snare up to the location that I want it to be on the pole. I'm going to cinch that uh, loop on the end down tight to the pole and then I'm going to run the hanger wire through the mount on the snare which is either going to be that big double ferrule or it's going to be one of those PV little pieces of PVC tubing. And slide that on and then I've, I'm going to op op have my snare opened up and, and adjust that wire to the level that I want my snare. I'm going to do the same thing on the other side for the other snare. Now I get my first layer of snares, my first tier. I'm going to take the second tier and I'm going to bring those up. I'm going to attach another hanger wire and I'm going to do the same thing. I want those snares relatively close to each other. I don't want them touching. I don't want them overlapping. Some people do like to overlap them or have them touch. I feel that the snare can work more effectively and can fire more effectively um, if that is not the case. So uh, I, I just basically like to, to have them um, within, within half an inch to maybe two inches of each other. Uh, if, if you got, you know, if your water depth leaves you a little extra room, you might pull them a little further apart so you have the whole area covered. Um, sometimes they're going to be right close together, depending on how much room you have. Um, so in so in that way, I have a setup where I've got the snares on a pole opposite of each other. The entire pole is bait. Um, the beaver is going to come through. He's going to try to cut down the pole. He's going to try to circle around the pole and figure things out, and he's going to get caught in those snares. Uh, usually, with a large beaver. The size of my loop and the way I have them set up, I'm going to catch them right behind the ears. Um, well, behind the ears, I'm going to catch them in the neck. Um, a smaller beaver, you're usually going to get um, one one foot in front of the snare and one foot in the back. You're going to kind of catch it around the neck and behind one shoulder. Um, and then sometimes you get all kinds of different extremity catches. That's what I like about the cam locks is uh, they'll lock down on just about anything and they won't loosen up and very much uh, so they uh, you you'll catch you know you'll catch tails uh, you'll catch catch foot you make foot catches you'll get them um, sometimes um, behind the teeth and around the nose uh, that happens occasionally so so that's a, a little extra bonus with snares is, is you don't have to catch them exactly perfectly every time uh, in order to make a catch and then the last thing with my snare setup is I'm going to make sure that I attach a trap tag because it's easy to forget. The snares don't have tags on them, so you got to attach your tag to the pole. And then I'm going to, in some states, I think maybe Minnesota, you have to have a tag for each snare, So, which is, seems crazy, but I think the ways the law is written, I've heard that if you get four snares on a pole, you get have four tags. So uh, anyway, I'm hope, maybe I'm wrong with that, but... You get that set up, and then you you lower that snare down, snare pole down into the ice, under the ice. You push it into the bottom, get it nice and steady and sturdy. Um, where it, and it's also the pole is kind of leaned up against the side of the ice there up top, and you're gonna find a 
a large diameter log or tree or part of a tree to wire to above the ice so if the beaver uh, breaks off the pole and tries to pull down he's uh, he's anchored above the ice um, sometimes it doesn't happen very often but sometimes you could make a catch and the beaver is the the beaver is caught before the ice completely freezes over and they can pop up uh, through the ice and get up above uh, the ice level and then you know you if you're not anchored well you could have problems so um, always something just something else to be aware of but that in a nutshell that's the under ice beaver snare set that I do uh, there's a wide variety of ways of doing it uh, I've tried a lot of different things I'm I'm still going to experiment I think probably 80 to 90 percent of what I use is going to be this exact setup and then the other 10, 20 percent, I'll probably just experiment and try different things, try a different size cable. Try I I, I typically don't load these snares, and when I get to uh, Olson's, I'm I intend to talk with Newt Sterling. I'd like to get get him uh, uh, for a few minutes and try to ask him about under ice and loading. Um, my my cable seems to have pretty good memory to it and the snares don't take a whole lot to fire I've tried loading them a little bit and I I really don't like it they seem they seem to fire a little too easily um, you you try to push them down through you get a little bit of slush in the hole when you're trying to push down through the ice and uh, you get snares firing off before you even get the get the pole down um, and and I think potentially under the ice depending how the beaver is moving I'd I'd kind of like to see them give them the opportunity to work that a little bit before, uh, uh, you know, just touching the snare and having it fire. But that's, that's my opinion. I've got a lot to learn with snaring. So, um, but yeah, as the beaver circling, going to, going through that loop, um, I think he's typically firing that snare with his back. Um, and so that would be interesting to have some underwater footage uh, of a beaver working an under ice snare. Um, but but just thinking about how beavers are moving through and how those snares are firing, uh, I, I it seems that this cable size and the cam lock and and this whole setup and loop size and everything, uh, I've pulled it together from a number of different sources from people that have a lot of experience and have learned a lot of the ways not to do it, and this seems to work pretty good. So um, I hope that was useful and helped a little bit. Uh, for the few people that are going to try under ice beaver trapping, I would highly recommend it not for production, um, not for, you know, just trying to put up big numbers of beaver or animal damage control or anything. Just just go out there and have some fun and try some different sets and see what works and what doesn't. Take the kids out. Enjoy yourself. Take your time. Relax. Um one thing, another thing that just came to mind with snares, you need to set a lot of snares. If you're going into a flowage and you're going to set it up only with snares, don't don't set one or two poles. Set four, five, or six poles. Um, because you're going to have a percentage of misses. You're going to have spots where you drilled your hole, you cut your hole, and... Um, the beaver just are not frequenting that area that that you're at. You're going to make one catch, and the beaver's going to tear up all the other, fire off all the other snares when it's caught, 
and you're not going to catch anything else there. But if you have a pole five, six feet away, 10 feet away, you may catch another one. Um, so the biggest thing I've learned is you don't want to go back to a flowage with only one or two chances uh, to have a beaver in your snare set. Uh, so so set, set multiple, multiple, multiple snare sets. All right. Well, with that, I appreciate you guys tuning in and listening. Um, that was kind of my first run through of the uh, the demo and that I'm going to do for under ice beaver and I got a few kinks to work out but hopefully that was was helpful and you guys can pick up a little bit of information for the people that are interested in doing the under ice beaver snaring all right thanks for tuning in again great to have you guys here and uh, I appreciate it uh, check out my book fur profit trapper's guide to the modern fur market if you're looking to learn more about uh, fur prices, fur market, how to sell fur, where to sell fur. Uh, that's a great resource to get you started. It's only about 12 bucks, And you can find it at Cotsbros, PCS Outdoors, um, TrappingToday.com, my website, Amazon.com. Um, there's uh, F&T for Harvester's Trading Post. Check it out. Appreciate you buying the book and supporting the podcast. And until next time... Keep on thinking trapping, keep on talking trapping, and we'll catch you on the next episode.